0: This is Darren Davis, founder and senior leader of the Harbor Church in South Florida, and you are listening to the Harbor Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and others, visit us online at harborchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Good morning, everybody. We are going to dive into the word of the Lord today and um, just go there uh, with Jesus and appreciate each of you being here. Um, what I'm praying for today, here's my prayer, like this is what I'm believing God for today, is that he would move us forward as one into obedience to follow him. There's a really beautiful scripture in Romans chapter 8 verse 14, I'm sure you've read it or heard it many times. It says that for all who are led by the spirit of God are the sons and daughters of God. So this is key to our journey in the Lord: is learning how to hear Him, learning how to obediently follow that voice, and walk in relationship with Him as His kids, those that are created in His image. And so, one of the things that I just want to I want to share um, this morning that's that's also special about today is for about five years now I've been working on this book that I've titled "The Eleventh Hour." So five years in the making. And I never set out to be a, a best-selling uh, New York Times published author or anything like that. This is really like something that I just had to do for my own heart. It's a very vulnerable book, a uh, very just raw and open uh, description of our journey, really up until this point. And in it, and in the story, my prayer really is that you will be able to see your story. And I think that's what it's all about. Like, this is never about any of us individually. It's about our collective journey and God raising up a generation that is going to see something so significant in this time in human history that even if we knew it, we would not even be able to comprehend the beauty of what he wants to do. So here's what's happening. This book is actually not being released until the new year. But Wendy and I felt it on our hearts to try to somehow get it out by the launch of this fall for you guys to journey as we go over these next six weeks and and be a little more acquainted with the story here at Harbor. So we have some of these out in the lobby as well. Um, the, the the cost to bring this book to, to, to being did not come from the harbor at all. It came from our own, you know, just sacrifice and a few others that God sent our way to help us with this. And so again, we're just we're just wanting to bring this forth and offer to you. So it's available out there at a very discounted price. If for some reason you don't have the resources, but you believe it's gonna be of value to you. You know, I've been handed how many of you know as pastors, we get handed books all the time. Darren, you need to read this and you know where it goes? It goes on my, my shelf in my house with all the hundred other books that people have given me, right? Because oftentimes if there's not value there, um, it just sits. But this is a gift for me to you guys and Wendy, from us to you, and we'd love to have you just share in this. And so there's a, there's a copy out there for you. Yeah, yeah. anybody's birthday t- today, by chance, that's in the room? Anybody? This week? in two weeks who oh gosh okay yours is when two and yours is when who else okay Daniel and then some kids over here so here's what we're gonna do I'm gonna I'm gonna make available for you guys out there to each have a copy as a gift from us as a happy birthday from you guys so you're welcome That was a lot more birthdays than I thought there was going to be. Come on, somebody. (laughs) We're starting off with generosity this morning from us to you, so it's beautiful. All right, let's pray as we just jump in. Lord, thank you for the, the beautiful morning that we have to be able to be with each other, to be with you, and to get into your word. I ask that you would help us to be able to see and to be able to hear what you're saying to the church as it relates to our obedience Not just individually, but collectively, to hear your voice and to move forward into what you're saying for us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. So here's what I want to do just for the few minutes that we have. I want to open up a concept to you that I've actually titled Everlasting Doors. I know that sounds a little kind of out there, but I'm going to make it very practical for us this morning. Because actually that statement, Everlasting Doors, has to do with you has to do with us together. We are gateways, if you will, that God works through in the earth to touch and change and bring blessing and value to other people's lives. And I think the more that we can understand this, that God wants to use all of us for his good pleasure, it's better as we can get into the rhythm of what he has for our lives. So there's this verse in Psalm chapter 24, I'm going to put it up for you to see where the psalmist is writing, David is writing, and he says this. Look what he says. He says, lift up your heads. O gates, or doors could be another word that you could put in there. And be lifted up, ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. So as we realize who we are and we make ourselves available to God in our obedience to serve him, it gives him access into this place that we call planet Earth. Now, that sounds profound, but this is the way God has designed it. He doesn't come uninvited. He doesn't come unannounced. And he comes through his people as we lift up our heads to him and we say, God, would you come and work through our lives as your people? The psalmist begins to ask a question. He says, who is this king of glory? And look how he, how he defines who he is. He says, it's the Lord strong and mighty in what? Battle. And the victory belongs to who? To him. It's already been accomplished. Here's the the reason, like I loved what Hector said when he first came in, he thought it was all about striving and trying to work so hard and give so much of his own effort and his own abilities into the thing. In this beautiful journey that we have in the Lord, we can rest. We can find rest because the battle has already, oh, come on. The battle has already been won. <laughs> he just wants us to come into the understanding of that, open up our lives to be gateways so that the victory that he's accomplished can flow in and through us to see other people brought in to this beautiful thing called the kingdom of God. Verse 9, lift up your head, your heads, O gates. Lift them up ancient doors that the king of glory may come in. He's trying to make a point. This is what life is all about. This is what life in God means. Verse 10. Who is he then, this King of glory? The Lord of hosts, the King of glory, who rules over all of creation with his heavenly armies. He's watching over us. It's going to be okay. All right? Sometimes when we go through difficult circumstances, seasons that can feel challenging, feel unsettled, I need you to trust me and even more so trust the Lord. It's going to be okay because God has everything in our future in store. All we have to do is open up our hearts to him. The Lord wants to come into the body of Christ through you. In fact, he wants to come into this city, which I believe is a gateway city. There are certain cities around the world that have you know, it's a, it's a place of coming and going. Many nations come through here and go to other places around the world. And this is a key place. It's a key positioning. So there's gateway people and there's gateway cities. And we're, we're privileged to be a part of both. It was interesting, this weekend, on Friday, I believe it was, actually, we came by the ministry center, um, I think, picked something up, and we looked across the street, and we saw this big piece of machinery just tearing that old building down across the street. It was wild. It was just crazy. And I'm like, wow, Lord, what timing. Like, we didn't pay them to do this, by the way. This wasn't something Harbor, you know, hired this guy out. Let's tear the building down to create this big, huge illustration. No, literally, this this just began to happen. And like I said in the video, we've known that there's change coming to our city. The irony of this, and I've shared this before, is that we prayed for this change to come. We specifically prayed, started 20 years ago, saying, God, make Pompano Beach the best place to live and to work and to raise a family. Revitalize a broken down beach town. God, bring in, you know, the beautiful things that you have for this city. And he began to do that. He began to do that, and he is getting ready to position us for a hope-filled future with joy and with strength. Look at what the psalmist says in verse four and five in chapter forty-six. He says, "A river of joy brings a river brings joy to the city of our God, the sacred home of the Most High. God dwells in that city." Verse five, and it cannot be destroyed. For from the very break of day, God will protect it. When I saw that building coming down, the bricks coming down from that building, this is what Jesus was trying to get across to his disciples when they were looking at the at the temple in Jerusalem. Can you imagine? Like this had been one of the, the seven wonders of the world. And here Jesus telling them, Listen, every stone is going to be, no stone is going to be left unturned. Like this is not about physical property. Physical property, yes, is important. It's a tool that we need to, to, I believe, advance the kingdom of heaven. But the foundation of this is you. Because you are living stones that are being joined together relationally, that are being built into this city called the city of God, where he is going to come through that collective community and bring his presence here to the earth. That can, that, listen beautiful thing of that is it can never be destroyed. Never. Do you understand? Never. Never. Never destroyed. Never stolen. Never taken from the earth. He can never, the enemy can never do that to us as his collective body. Now, I don't have time to go into this this morning, but as I looked into the word of the Lord, I noticed that all of the biblical prophets spoke of the city of God as the dwelling place of the Lord's presence on the earth, as I've already mentioned. So this is not a new concept. This is something that they've been trying to communicate to us for thousands of years throughout the word of the Lord. But here's what's interesting that I found is that the walls and the gates of this city, and again, this is Picture and hyperbole that we just need to see through the imagery of the Old Testament that is being made manifest in in, a, in a, a New Testament kind of way through our lives. That the walls and the gates of the city represent this thing: God's faithfulness. God's faithfulness. So, if the city itself is His dwelling place for His presence on the earth, and the walls and the and, and the and the and the Gates around this city that we actually are those stones in the wall and are those those portals, if you will, or those those uh, places where people can come and go and blessings can can happen. The faithfulness of the Lord is actually working in and through you and me. Really, really, just honest question: Do you believe? That God is faithful. This is what, in the midst of a moment that we, we're trying to define using some language, even around unity and oneness and positioning for what the Lord has, at the end of the day, he wants to get all up in our stuff and change parts of our heart that he wants to change. That's the big idea here. Let me just let you know what he's doing. That's what he's up to. And he's wanted to show us, prove to us, blow our minds, that he is faithful. And to experience his faithfulness so that when we get around other people that need to understand that God is good and He is faithful to those that He has created, we can breathe good news into their lives, through our own experience. How many of you know you cannot give away what you've never experienced for yourself? Super practical. So here's the thing. We don't need to be nervous. We don't need to be worried. We need to be open. God, have your way in me. Do something in me regarding your faithfulness that maybe I've never experienced before. We know about these walls and gates in Isaiah 62, 6, where the Lord says that he's going to set what? Watchmen on her walls. Watchmen. That's people that are looking out, like they're aware of, of, of the times and the seasons and all that's going on in the world, and he's going to set people on those walls that are going to be watchmen there for the Lord who are committed to pray for peace to come to the city of God. I don't know if if you guys have experienced this, but probably sometime in the last five plus years, there's been a lot of shaking, a lot of challenges, a lot of turmoil, at times a lack of peace. God wants to set watchmen and watch women, if you will, on the walls so that we can see the peace of God come to people's hearts. That peace of God that surpasses all of our understanding and guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. This is what God is wanting to do. These watchmen, it's interesting, Isaiah 62 7, God says this. He says, Give me no rest. Cry to me. Talk to me. Beseech me day and night. Until I, the Lord says, establishes Jerusalem. We know, again, that is the body of Christ, this city of God. That's what he's referring to. And make it a praise in the earth. Now, I'm going to go somewhere with this. This is really important. As we give God no rest, take our position on the wall in the faithfulness of God, he will be- begin to establish The church as a praise in the earth. I think some of you guys know the story, and it's in the book that you can read about. But coming out of university, I went into the corporate world. I I actually thought I would stay in that space for the rest of my life, bring leadership to that part of the kingdom of heaven, which so many of you in this room are already doing And then the Lord just kind of, I call it a Jehovah sneaky moment, if you've ever had one of those, where the Lord just kind of tricks you in a beautiful sense to kind of go down the path that he would have you to go. And we end up moving to Dallas, Texas and going to Bible school. And when we were there, first year, uh, in fact, I've said this before, I felt like in the first year, I I told the Lord, I said, you must have completely missed it, like when you called me into this thing called vocational ministry. I mean, I got booted off the basketball league for cursing when I got a foul. You know, I was being fouled and in the, in the, I was being honest, being vulnerable, okay? Um, fired in my job as a waiter when I gave a tip of a dollar back to the person that, that gave it to me on a $300 bill and I told him, hey, you must need this more than I do. Terminated. So I spent the first whole year on my face just going, God, I am a mess. I'm a wreck. There's no way that you've chosen the right person, okay? But then in the second year, God began to, you know, when when we're broken, when we kind of come to the end of ourselves, that's when God can actually begin to move, right? And so in the second year, some things began to happen. It's a long story. A lot of the stuff's in the book. But there was a moment when God really touched down on the campus, and and all classes were shut down for a couple of weeks. And the guy that the Lord was using gave me a word, called me out of a couple of thousand students and said, by the time you're 33 years old, and I'm going to put this up actually on the screen, by the time you're 33 years old, you will plant an influential church in South Florida that's going to see a historic move of God among hundreds of other churches hundreds we moved to South Florida in 2002 it was difficult there was anything but a unity movement among the churches in the city when we came in fact the unity movement didn't even begin among other churches in this county until about fall of 2014 after the resignation of Bob Coy from Calvary Chapel due to massive moral failure. The honor to Calvary Chapel is the most people that have come to Jesus in our region have come through that ministry, and they still do to this day. We need to recognize that, understand. So can you imagine... The disappointment of thousands of people, literally, over the 20 years, I think, that he was pastoring plus there, as this is happening. But here's what we need to understand. That oftentimes it's through disappointment, disappointment, where God can actually appoint us for what's next. Disappointment leads to the possibility of God reappointing us to a greater reality than what we've walked in previously. Here's what you need to understand. It's only getting better. It's only increasing more, even in the midst of the disappointment that you've experienced. So often, the disappointment comes and tries to paralyze us when it's actually God trying to promote us. This was the case for Nehemiah. I'm going to wrap up with this. The band can come up shortly. The Jews, prior to Nehemiah's even birth, were taken into captivity. Can you imagine? These guys were supposed to be the nation... That was shining to the world, and here they are, drug off in Babylonian captivity, just, you know, slavery, all the kind of stuff that was going on. And Nehemiah was born into this exile. What's crazy, though, is 50 years after the completion of the temple, you're gonna have to study this out for yourself. Ezra was commissioned by King Artaxerxes during his seventh year of reign, around 456 B.C., to go back to Jerusalem and begin to um, reinstate temple worship and other biblical teachings and practices. Do you understand the profound nature of this? This guy was not a follower of God at all. And he enables this guy named Ezra to go back and reestablish the basic foundations of worship unto the Lord. The book of Ezra provides an account of the Jews' regathering. Everybody say, regathering. Regathering. Say it again. He is bringing the people of God back together that have been scattered, that have been exiled. There's there's an appointment, even by a man that doesn't even know God, that has all of the resources, that begins to empower Ezra to regather the people for such a time as this. And rebuild. Everybody say, rebuild. Rebuild what had been destroyed. Through this narrative, Ezra declares, and I declare this over you, that they were still God's people. You're still God's people. That God had not forgotten them. You ever feel forgotten by God? God has not forgotten you. And 12 years, the number of government, okay? This same king, Artaxerxes, after Nehemiah receives word in Babylon that the outer walls of Jerusalem that would have protected the city where this revitalization was being established through Ezra was in complete ruins. Think about this. King Artaxerxes notices someone has to hear this, notices Nehemiah's reaction to this news, and you know what he says? Whatever you need, I'll give to you. His entire vision to go back to Jerusalem was completely funded by a man that didn't even know God, because he saw how Nehemiah responded with passion to this place that he In disappointment, we don't respond in the same way the world does because we understand that God's fixing to appoint us and we take on the heartbeat of God for what he's wanting to do and the world, when we do that, will take notice, my friends. There's going to be billionaires and millionaires and all this kind of stuff. We have some dreams to, you know, visions that God's given us. Hey, we need to get financially strengthened and and praise the Lord as we all take a step forward together in that. But there's going to be things that God's going to do through other people because of the passion that we carry for other, for people living in this region to make it better. That's going to blow our minds, blow our minds. Nehemiah 3, as I conclude. You're going to have to read it over yourself. But this chapter is where Nehemiah lists by name all the people that stepped up with him to rebuild this wall, to be watchmen, to be keepers of God's faithfulness through the sacrificial giving of their lives in a moment for a city he lists them by name you can see it, it's all there it's it's not just one person, it's never been about one person, or even ten or even a hundred it's been about a collective crew of people that God calls together to do something great, this is what he's up to in our region by the way but there's this verse that I want to just show you as we conclude it's Nehemiah chapter 3 verse 5 And if you could see it, there's a profound truth here. As he's going through the list of people, he says, next to this group were the Tekoites. And they made repairs. Everybody say repairs. They made repairs, this group of people. They were in. But he says their nobles did not put their shoulders to the work of the Lord. The crazy thing about the people of Tekoa was their name actually meant trumpet or the ones that were supposed to have the voice sounding to the rest of the tribes. They weren't just another group in the midst of all the other groups that were listed. They were the ones that were supposed to be like, yes and amen to what God was doing and be voices of obedience to the project at hand. But the leaders... They came under cynicism and said, we're not going to put our hands to this work. I love, I love this. There were people that still said, well, we'll do it. Even amidst the scoffing that was going on in the moment. It's not amazing. I have a quick story. When Wendy and I we're just getting ready to transition out of the corporate world, there was this guy by the name of Tommy Barnett, and we were in this church in Greenville, North Carolina. He came in to speak at a conference, and the long and short of it, I can't even really fathom and make full sense of everything that happened. But that night, when he was speaking, he said, "There was like I think three thousand plus people in the church." And he said, "I'm here for one couple tonight," and that's all he said. And when I came up, I was like, "I know this this was for me." He was talking about. Uh, the earth being filled with the glory of the Lord, or the knowledge of the earth being filled with the glory of the Lord, shall so be so profound that it will be like the waters that cover the sea. That that intent, that was the message basically. Was, the conference was actually called "Full of His Glory." We went up front, and I have no idea what fully happened, but something transpired in our hearts as this guy came up to us and said, "You guys are the one." And man, something took place. It was like a complete shift. So after going on a trip to Brazil and and this guy spoke to me and Mark Whitten, who was with me on the trip, said that you're supposed to plant a church in South Florida. The word from Christ for the nations in Dallas came back to me. So I told our team, I said, guys, we need to take a trip. There's a conference happening in Charlotte. Let's just get away for a few days. And it's in the story in the book where we're driving. And it was like, as we were in North Carolina, it was like almost every other car that was driving by us had a Florida license plate on it. Just one after the other. And I'm like, at first going, man, am I imagining this? Or is this really happening? And then i just asking the Lord, is this really you, God? As I'm looking at that little orange on the license plate. This is a massive transition from us to move from, us to move from Birmingham all the way down to South Florida. Never been there before. And we get to the conference. And the guy was like that was speaking, he's like, "I have no idea why I'm supposed to do this, but he says, "Young man, and he, I was sitting in the midst of our team. He said, "Would you stand up?" and he says, The Lord wants you to know that he sees the orange in your eye I mean, that was brave of him because that's not a really like <laughs> normal word, right?" And he says... He's relocating you to South Florida, and he just wants you to be at peace and know that it's him. So we go back to Birmingham. My secretary at the time, Adrian Scott, she says, Darren, you're never gonna believe this. Tommy Barnett is in town. He, he has a church in Phoenix. He's in town, the guy that had prayed for us years before. And he's speaking on a Wednesday night. He's, she says, I feel like you're supposed to go. So I go to this meeting. And this is the end of what I have to say. I get there and he's talking, he's preaching. It was awesome. It was good and everything. And, he's, and then at the very end, like his, if you've ever been in a meeting like this, everything just shifted. And he goes, this is wild. I don't know why I'm supposed to say this, but I just want to tell you, I've been thinking, over, I'm n- not going to do this. I don't, I'm t- it's too late for me in life, but I just feel like I need to say this. He said, if I were going to go anywhere, and start a new ministry, I'd move to Fort Lauderdale, Florida. (laughs) Guys, come on. You can't make this stuff up. I just start weeping. And he said, here's what he said. And the reason is, is that Fort Lauderdale means fortress of praise. And that city is going to get touched by God in such a profound way that it will be known by its name a fortress of praise. Here's what we need to understand as we leave this place today. God's promises may not yet be in your hands, but they're within your reach. And it's time, in moments like this, where we're to walk by faith and go and get the promises of God. We're not going to shrink back. We're not going to hesitate. We're going to reach our hands out and grab a hold of what is rightfully ours. It may not yet be in our hands, but it's within our reach, my friends. For those who are led by the Spirit of God or the children of God, Lord, may you help us to obediently follow you into this next season as we see your kingdom come your will be done and us be postured and continue to have influence in this region for what you want to do among hundreds and hundreds of churches in South Florida to see a collective move of God for your glory. In Jesus' name, would you stand up as we just conclude our time? Before you walk out these doors in Canila and then we're going to play, if you have kids, just in just a minute, go and pick them up. But could we just, just before God, could we open up our hearts for just a minute and ask him to give us the capacity to say yes? Could you just individually, each of you say, and I'm not talking give your yes to Harbor. I'm talking give your yes to Jesus. But could you just say, God, I want to serve you. I want to know you. I want to be able to say yes to you in this moment. This is a significant moment. If you've been through discouragement, I break that off in Jesus' name. If you've been through disappointment, I say, God, reappoint them to something beautiful. But let's just take a moment before we walk out these doors, and don't forget to grab a one-folder and check out the book table if you'd like to get a hold of one of those copies, and then let's move forward together in obedience as one for the glory of Jesus. Amen.